This is Mark Fletcher, and welcome to my world. Welcome to Southern Tales, Tall and Otherwise. One thing we had in rural West Tennessee was water. So in reality, there were three things that drove our young lives. Jesus, beer, and water. Not necessarily in that order, believe you me. And one of the great things about being a guy in that time is that you always had your bathing suit on. You see, there was no such thing as swimsuits. All we had was just our cut-off blue jeans, and we were ready to jump in at any time. I saw a few girls do the same thing, though we always encouraged them to leave them clothes on the bank, baby. And like I say, it's a southern thing. Sit back and enjoy. Southern Tales, Episode 11, Clay Pits to the Redneck Riviera. Some of the places you've heard of before, Paris Landing, Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, Beach River Watershed, Carroll Lake, Real Foot Lake, but most of them you've never heard of. And there were so many places that had water that we somehow found. And of course, we always had to dip our toes in and frequently our entire drunk bodies. If you've listened to previous episodes, you already know where we're heading with this. And if you haven't listened to previous episodes, give it a shot. Go back. Start at the beginning because we are building a cool foundation. And remember, these are my stories. Most of them I have lived or been told by my cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, many of whom are actually related to me, but some we're not too sure how. And while there may be some disputes about the actual facts, this is the way that I remember it. And in my opinion, every goddamn word is true. When I was nine years old, we moved to Area Q. That was the living quarters for all the big shots at the Milan Army Ammunition Plant. My father was a safety engineer. His boss was Gerald Simmons, who lived two houses over. 
Now, Mr. Gerald was a great guy, had a dog named Molly that we loved. But the thing I remember most about Mr. Gerald was a famous quote of his. This happened on a night that a tornado came through our neighborhood. I was on by myself. Now, this is the time before there were 24-hour news and fancy weather radar and guys on TV warning us second by second while you watched it actually move on the radar. This is when every now and then there'd be a little scroll or something. I don't even think there was a break-in of the TV in those days, but I was at home by myself babysitting my one- and three-year-old siblings. It was like during the 10.30 movie on Channel 3. And and if I, I could watch it if I stayed up late enough or if my parents weren't home yet. So this was kind of cool. But outside it was raining hard, and I was always a little nervous because I, I saw things on the Walter Cronkite news. But then suddenly it got real quiet, and then I heard the train. Now, I knew there weren't any railroad tracks close, and like I say, I'd seen enough stuff on the Walter Cronkite news to know something was happening. I ran upstairs, put my little brother and sister under each arm, and ran to the basement. It was a hell of a noise, but after a few minutes, it was over. We went back upstairs, and soon there were all sorts of emergency lights in our neighborhood. It turned out that the tornado sat down just beyond our houses, but it put down hundreds of trees and sucked off some shingles on some of the houses, but really no other real damage. The next day at work, Mr. Gerald told my dad that he and his wife, Billy, were in bed when they heard the train. Gerald jumped up and said, let's run to the basement. She got up, was getting dressed when he exclaimed, would you rather be dressed dead or alive naked? And she immediately ran to the basement with him. Wait a minute. I, I digress. I, we're talking about water. And, and we had water all around. I've told you about our excursions to Number One Pond in, in was it episode three? Maybe a couple times. But we also had a beautiful, clear, sandy creek that ran near us. We would go down there, my friends, I think uh, Kevin and Tony and maybe Bob later, uh, we would take off our shoes and we could walk for miles. We are always trying to find where it started. It was clear water and, and the sand was, was easy to walk on and there were lots of frogs and snakes and turtles because they would all come down there to water and, and feed. We collected box turtles and the creek was like our favorite spot. But we also had other places. There was one called the Pipes. Now these were two big huge road culverts that went underneath Highway 104. And they were so big, we could walk through them. They were always full of water. Uh, when we got BB guns, we would shoot little fish um, that were swimming near the top. I guess they were minnows. Uh, and, and we would see all sorts of exotic animals down there. It, it was fun. That's what you did before there was, you know, six million channels of TV and video games and whatnot. Then there were the three, the three bridges where part of Walking Tall was filmed. Now, this was about a half-mile bike ride from our house out into some some real rural Carroll County. Kind of scary because this part of the Atwood Highway was where they had drag races and speed contests and all sorts of professional drinking events. But once you got to Three Bridges, it was cool. It was the beginning of one of the forks of the Ibayan River. Lots of swampy stuff. 
snakes for us to shoot out off the bridge, lots of cool beer cans and other drinking paraphernalia to sift through. One time we found a nudie booty magazine down there. We were pretty captured by this thing and pretty much just laughed at the picture of naked ladies doing all sorts of weird things with props. We didn't dare take it home. But we also didn't forget it. Me and Tony Osamacher discovered Pine Lake. It was on the other side of Lavinia, but still on the ammunition plant property. Pat, who worked at the plant, and I sometimes babysit his two young sons, took me out there fishing one time. It was another special place. So we were into survival hikes and campouts, mostly because Fred Mullins and Marvin Woody, the older guys, convinced us that it was cool. Uh, so Tony and I decided to take a four-day survival camp out at Pine Lake. So all we took was a tent, fishing pole, some matches, BB guns, and in our backpacks we had our regular camping stuff like skillets, knives, forks, that kind of thing. But you already know we were terrible fishermen. Um, it wasn't long before we were getting hungry and it was raining. We were kind of cold. It was summer, but it was still, the, the rain gets you cold. I think we shot a blue jay and tried to find some meat on it. Trust me, you do not want to eat a blue jay. Then on day three, we heard someone yelling through the woods. It was Tony's dad. Just checking on us to see if we were ready to come home. So I can remember like screaming, No! We're okay! And then Tony kind of tapped me on the shoulder and we looked at each other. Instantly we started screaming and running towards Tony's dad before he left. Fortunately, we caught him, and uh, we went and got our stuff and got to go home and eat real food again. We were more than ready. But there were, there were bigger places, too. We'll talk much more about these places later, but a friend of mine's father was the doctor in our town. I mean, a better guy was never known. Dr. Phil was absolutely the epitome of what a family doctor should look like. And gosh dang it, his family was all pretty great people. And they were very, very friendly to us. And they had a cabin up at Big Sandy, which is just south of Paris on Kentucky Lake. My friend Crazy Larry and I would go up there sometimes when they were there. And mo mostly to do stupid things. But we would always wind up tubing behind their ski boat. It was the most fun. And one day, one of the sisters had her boyfriend up there. We nicknamed him Jock because he was so cocky about everything. I mean... Jock was just, he was so cool, but, you know, we really didn't think he was. Or, and I guess maybe it had something to do with, we figured he was one of the unpopular people that we didn't like. Anyway, we kept joking that when Jock was tubing, we should swing him out in front of one of them barges going up the Tennessee River. Then we'll see how tough Jock was. Now, we didn't do it, of course, but it was funny to think about. Occasionally, we'd find our way down to Pickwick. Somebody would have a boat or something down there. Now, this is a sweet part of the Tennessee River where it slipped into Alabama and Mississippi. And, and like I say, somebody would have a boat. and, and well, I never remember tubing or anything. All I can ever remember is, is kind of riding up and down the lake, drinking. Like, we'd ride, you could ride all the way to Alabama. Uh, never went fast. You see... There was some kind of unwritten rule at Pickwick, which we referred to as the Redneck Riviera, that if you had a girl on your boat, she had to have on a rebel flag bikini. And apparently it was a contest to see who could have on the skimpiest rebel flag bikini. 
I always felt that God had put us there to be judges for the contest. Well, maybe not, but it was always a great sightseeing tour. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but, but then came the summer of the B.A. Bombers softball team. One crazy summer of madness, drinking, driving, scheming, and occasionally softball. We'd gotten into some, the softball the summer before when my older brothers formed a little pickup game with some other guys who we called Hornbeak's Heroes. Um, they were all just a bunch of local guys, and like I say, I got some other degenerate friends on the team, and we played a couple pickup softball games. It was fun. So the next summer, we formed a serious, allegedly, softball team to travel to all the summer tournaments in West Tennessee. Now, we had some serious players from my fraternity in Memphis and a couple local yokels, but mostly what we had were serious beer drinkers. And that seemed to be the mission of the team. One weekend, we played in a tournament in Lexington, Tennessee. We loved Lexington because of the Beach River watershed lakes where we often fished. Most times, we'd go down to Browns Creek Lake because the state had John boats you could rent, and we had a trolling motor that we took. It was good, clean fun. But we also liked Lexington because there was a DX filling station not far from Beach Lake where you could go on Sunday if you were thirsty, if you know what I mean. There'd be an old man sitting inside, and there was a door with a little curtain in front of it. And if you told him that you knew him and that you were quiet, you could buy cases of beer on Sunday. We were doing that when we were 16 because, let's face it, if you're selling beer on a Sunday and violating the blue law anyway, there ain't no reason to card nobody, right? But in this tournament, we were doing real well. I mean, we were winning. Uh, we beat the Mifflin All-Stars, a Lexington towing truck company team, some dudes from Parson, I think, and so we got to come back on Sunday where we won the whole damn thing. We got a, like, 12-foot trophy. One of our guys, Larry Smith, got the MVP trophy, which surprised me because he had never done anything, but it seemed like he hit a home run every time he came to bat this weekend. Seriously, we, we never planned on the B.A. Bombers winning. So to me, it was just a reason to drink and ride around West Tennessee with our friends. But winning? Well, that called for something really stupid to celebrate. We had all the beer you could stuff in a car, and we were in Dickey's International Scout, maybe five or six of us. My 12-year-old brother was in the middle, making sure everyone had a beer and a backup beer. And as we were heading home, someone said, Hey, let's go to the clay pits. Now, I had no idea where the clay pits were. I still don't to this day. But Dickie knew, and he went down about 50 gravel roads until we got there. It was a road down the middle and a big lake below the road and one beside it. We immediately got out our coolers and hit the water. Now, on the lower lake, they said if you swam out far enough, there was a little tuft of dirt you could stand on. Under the moonlit sky, I swam out there, Junkard and Cooter Brown. Hey, but I did find that little tough, tuft of earth, and you could stand on it. It was just a little dirt platform out in the middle of the lake. And I'm screaming back, hey, I found it, I found it. But I started thinking, man, it was tiring getting out here, and I think I'm too tired and too drunk to swim back. I was unsure what to do. It was quite quite a dilemma. 
when I saw an old beat-up pickup truck pull up behind the International Scout. Now, there was no old beat-up truck in our party, but in the moonlit sky, sky, I could see several folks get out of the truck. We had a couple guys up there talking to them, and suddenly my brother ran to the shore and hollered that there's some trouble, and they needed me quick. Damn. And I thought I might drown, but I started swimming back. About halfway across, I realized I couldn't make it, and I began to drown, whatever that feels like. But I thought real quick and turned over on my back. You see, it's much easier to swim on your back, and at least your head's not in the water. Slowly, I made it back. I was so relieved. So I trudged up the hill to see two guys and one girl. The two guys looked more like a huge overweight ZZ top than anything, and then there was a girl. She wasn't that cute, but every time she smiled, the teeth that she had looked like they was green. They asked me if I was in charge, and the other guys all pointed to me and said, yeah, he, he's the guy in charge of this whole thing. Some friends I got. So ZZ Top then informed me in a most unpleasant way that those clay pits belonged to them and that we were trespassing. They told me that they were lumberjacks and that the week before, some trespassers had stolen more logging chains that they could swim with. I understood this reference and did not want to have to swim with logging chains tied around my body. You'd be amazed how quickly you can sober up when this happens. And, and my brain was just going all kinds of different ways. And then I realized that my older brother had married a girl from Atwood who had a brother who was a lumberjack. His name was Paul. And though his last name was not Bunyan, he looked the part. And I already knew that he was probably some type of local legend in the lumberjack world and decided this might be a good time to do a little name dropping. And I mentioned that my brother-in-law was Paul the Lumberjack. These guys both immediately looked at me and you could tell they were impressed and maybe even a little intimidated and might not want the wrath of Paul coming upon them. Wow. They started talking about how much they admired him and looked up to him. And then they decided that they was going to do us a big favor. And that if we promised to pick up all the beer cans and never come back, we could leave. That was a promise that I kept. For the liner notes to this episode and all episodes of the Southern Tales podcast, please go to broadneckmusic.com. Here you can find out more about this episode and perhaps a bit more about the other stuff too. And you'll learn about our kick-ass theme music from T.R. Crooks, a little band from Paris, Tennessee, recorded in 1977. You can email us at stalespodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. You can also relate your stories, and we'll eventually have an episode or more with your stories. And if we get enough questions at the end of Season 1, we'll have a question and answer episode. Once again, thanks for listening, and please tell at least one friend about the fun we're having. See you next week on Southern Tales. It always